Welcome to The Struggle is Real, a podcast by Family Bridges for Modern Parenting. Check out this week's episode. Welcome back to a new episode of Space Explorers, where young singles explore spaces and pick who they'd like to date. Today's explorer is Erin. She's a junior at ALC University studying economics. Why? This is how our ancestors slept. The British? The caveman. I don't want to sleep like a caveman. I think your parents were just a little too nitpicky. I think yours might not have been nitpicky enough. Okay, okay, hold on. I smell a fight happening. The Struggle is Real podcast starts in three, two, one. Ladies and gents, well, welcome to The Struggle is Real. I am Omar Ramos, and I am happy to be back. Joining me as always is... Vero, Veronica, how are you? Hey, Omar, I'm doing well. I'm very excited to be here again. And of course, we also have our very own expert, Dr. Alicia Laos. How are you, doctor? I am doing really well. Great Thank to see you. you guys. And a million dollar question, how is summer treating you guys? I'm loving the weather, aren't you? <laughs> summer is just great, you know, you can be out and about and just summering activities. It just feels so good. Yes. The sun. I just envy everyone because everybody's like having a good time and I'm over here working 24-7. Aww. You know, the one that is enjoying it is my daughter, Eliani. Uh, I paid a trip out to Cancun uh, for her and her sisters and she got to like swim with dolphins, something that she wanted nice. to do ever since she was a baby. So scratch that one off the bucket list. Yeah. Sweet. Can I be your daughter? <laughs> <laughs> I want to go to Cancun. That's very, very nice. Obviously, the summer also can get messy, right? Because kids get messy. And then we have more people in the house. At least I know with my three kids, I am constantly behind them. And mm-hmm. this topic actually got me doing some research and getting me on my feet to declutter my house and get tidy. And I'm so excited about this today. So we're going to talk about that. And that's exactly what we're doing today. So listen up. We've invited tidying consultant Kristen Ivy from the Love of Tidy. Welcome, Kristen. How are you? Thank you. I'm doing well. <laughs> doing very well. <laughs> very, very cool. Right before we get started, I went to your website mm-hmm. and I pledged. So I'm, I'm going to do everything <laughs> that I can possible to like surround myself by positive things. And uh, can you give us a website real quick if you don't mind? Sure. It's www.fortheloveoftidy.com. And I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. Yes. Yes. First of all, let me tell you, I love the title we've given this podcast, Tidying Up, Down and Around. Hopefully yes. after this podcast, you're going to want to do that as well. Now, let's begin with the number one question. What is tidying? Sure. So tidying is all about decluttering. So Mm. paying attention to the objects that you surround yourself with in your home. So it's a little different from cleaning, but it's definitely complementary to cleaning. So tidying is all about confronting yourself, really, and your objects in your home. Cleaning is more like confronting nature and the natural accumulation of dirt. So I focus more on the tidying side, and then I have uh, partners in my network who can come in and work on cleaning if my clients uh, prefer. And yeah, the more you're tidy, the easier it is to clean because you have less items that are just not important around. You know, you're really focusing on the things that you love, that you honor, that you respect. I have to be a clean person. I have to feel like a clean person. Unfortunately, due to my work schedule, there's like so many things that I'm doing all the time. And sometimes I feel so tired at the end of the day. I get home and I'm like, goodness, I need to like uh, organize here, organize there. So that's why I was just telling you this right before we got the podcast started that I have somebody that comes to my house and just kind of like lays down the law and they clean everything for me. I don't let them touch the bathroom, though. That's my thing. I do that. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's so hard sometimes, you know, even if you are somebody that's that kind of grew up in a home where you were taught to be clean and organizational, or whatever you want to call it, it's been hard for me 
So I think the, this kind of resource really helps a lot of people that need it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the type of tidying that I specialize in is actually called the Kanmari method. Mm-hmm. And the unique thing about it is it's, it's all about changing your mindset, really, to focusing on the things that spark joy in your mm-hmm. life. So the things that you want to keep, actually, rather than the things you have to discard. Yeah. So you make tidying this like short-term event rather than this thing you have to do a little bit there, here or there every day. I mean, of course, there's maintenance you have to do, but it becomes much easier once you go through this kind of transformative process where you are confronting your objects in a real way and then letting go of all the noise, basically. Got you, ladies. Yeah. Are you tidy at home, at the office, <laughs> in your mind? Oof. Goodness. You know what? Uh, when I started reading um, your yeah. website, I was like, oh, my goodness. That was a question I made myself. I'm like, oh, my God, I have to get on this like right now. <laughs> right now, I'm in the process of tidying up in all areas. I had a big flood in my house, so I kind of was forced to like let go of a lot of stuff, but it was also a great opportunity to like sit down and see, okay, this has to go. What am I going to donate? What am I going to give away? What am I going to am I going to have a garage sale? The thing that you just mentioned, what brings you joy? What are you going to keep that brings you joy? What's important and what's not important? Mm-hmm. Let it go, right? So I'm in the process. I'm in the process. How about you, doctor? Yeah, I was the whole time thinking of my kids. They're in the creative zone and right mm-hmm. now one of my sons mm-hmm. is into origami and, you know, there's origami creeping in every corner of the house. Wow. <laughs> you know, it's decorative everywhere. And so we're just thinking, yeah, we need to do some tidying up. I love that, though. That means you're not focusing on tidying. You're focusing on living, which is awesome. So your house is supporting the creative endeavors of your children. So that's awesome. And when you focus on tidying, you can reset to zero. So while things might get crazy temporarily, you will have that. You can rest on the fact that you can just reset in an easy way. So right before we mm-hmm. continue, I, I would just like to ask you, why did you come up with this idea? Yeah. So the idea of what the actual method itself mm-hmm. was developed by Marie Kondo. It's a Japanese-based decluttering method. Marie basically had this thought, like, why do we spin ourselves in circles tidying and every in the tidy and the uh, mess keeps coming back? Or you have to have an organizer come back and show you how to tidy once again. How can we just be tidy all the time? So she came up with this very specific method, and it's all about confronting clutter by category rather than room, and really taking and using that as a tool to kind of shock yourself in a good way mm-hmm. uh, into changing your behaviors moving forward. So you're actually not paying attention to things like how pretty are the storage boxes in in, in my room. You're paying attention to what am I actually storing in that box? Does mm-hmm. it matter to me? Is it important? Am I honoring it? Am I respecting it? So it's all about really treating your home with a lot of honor, respect, and joy, setting your vision up front before you touch anything like mm-hmm. to ground yourself and also leading with gratitude. So saying thank you to the items that you're letting go, ending that season of service that they had in your life, even mm. if they had tags on them, even if you've never used them, they still teach you a lesson. Right? Okay. So sending all that positive energy out. Yeah, I have a <laughs> pair of pants that I have to have that conversation with. <laughs> For sure, man. I just, I look at it. I'm like, it's, it's all like ripped up. I just, I can't right. let you go. You've been, you know, you pulled through with me for such a longest time. Well, the cool thing is the method gives you permission to keep whatever you want to. So even if it's a condition that, that someone would say. We always attach you know. a memory to, to, yeah. to an item that we just cannot let go. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, if it brings you joy, hey, just. Thank God Kristen is yeah. here today. All right. <laughs> Now, some quick facts about being organized or tidy. Well, did you know it gives you an energy boost? Taking the time to get organized can help you to work more energetically. And that's mm-hmm. true. 
Yes. Another fact is also that it leads to better eating habits. This was interesting. A study from Psychological Science found that people who worked in a neat space were two times as likely to pick an apple to eat versus a chocolate mm. hmm, when compared to those who were working in a messy work space. And this this one is really going to benefit me, and uh, I'm gravitating to this one. It helps you sleep better. Mm-hmm. Clutter in the bedroom can be stressful. According to your Reader's Digest, those who make their bed report a better night's sleep than those who don't. Hmm. You know, it. yeah, I guess. <laughs> well, you have the big pile of clothes on the bed. Sometimes I like to you know? grab the clothes and just kind of lay out. <laughs> and I'll knock out. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. What, oh, my goodness. What else do we have? <laughs> it can also, this one's really good now, guys. It can lower your heart attack risk. A Swedish wow. study found that people who did yard work, house cleaning, or DIY projects and organized had about 30% lower risk of a first-time cardiovascular event, such as a heart attack or stroke, versus those who were the most sedentary. Amazing information. So we can obviously tell there's a lot of benefits. So guess what, ladies? It's time for our first skit. So we're going to go ahead and uh, make some time to tidy up. Let's go into our first uh, presentation that we have here. This is called Space Explorers. Welcome back to a new episode of Space Explorers, where young singles explore spaces and pick who they'd like to date. Today's explorer is Erin. She's a junior at ALC University studying economics. Now, what kind of space are you looking for, Erin? Well, something that says the guy is kind and sweet and responsible, but also ready to have a good time. All right. Well, let's send you over to your first space. Wish me luck. All right. Erin's about to head on into our first space, and I'm outside the house and watching remotely with Misha. Misha is a senior at Bridness College. Yo, witness the Bridness. Right. He likes gooey cookies, St. Bernard's, and creating his own smells. <laughs> What's up? I love this show. Next up, we've got Archie. He's a senior at Kenyon College who likes collecting seashells, political thrillers, and black and white photography. Hello there. How's it going? All right. Well, let's listen as Aaron arrives at Misha's space. <laughs> wow. It smells really intense in here. That's because I use two different deodorants, one for each pit. Why? It's like my brand. Ew! There's a squishy spot on the floor. Oh, it looks like a ramen cup fell over, like a week ago. Oh, man, there goes my lunch. Aaron, tell us more about what you're seeing. Okay, so the bed is unmade, which is kind of an understatement. There's only a Batman comforter on a mattress here. Whoa, sounds like someone's a Superman fan. There's a lot of clothes piled up in the corner there. I'm going to explore this a little. Oh, it appears there's a chair underneath all this. Oh, yeah, I I forgot about that. That's my thinking chair. Yeah. I wonder how you forgot about that. I gotta get out of here. The smell is overwhelming. Uh, it's called musk. All right, so I'm here at Archie's place now. First off, the door doesn't sound like a haunted house. Nervous, Archie? (laughs) Are you kidding me? Okay, it's immediately nicer in here. For one thing, there's so many places to sit. Yeah, why you gotta sit so much, Archie? A lazy much? <laughs> I think she just means there aren't piles on everything. I like how all the books are organized by color. Oh, how cute. There were slippers right next to the bed. This place is so cozy. 
I got slippers. They're called socks. Plus, it's nice how the art's in frames and not just tacked on the walls. These pictures are really cool. Hmm. I wonder if he took them. I did. Wow. Looks like Erin's really enjoying herself. Any guesses who she'll pick? I've got one guess, and I'm picking a me. <laughs> Sounds like someone needs to use his thinking chair. You want to go? Yeah. I'd like to leave very much. All right, gladiators, we are back. And we just heard a show called The Space Explorers, where college students pick who they want to date based on their living space. Aaron had two options, Missy Micha and Heidi Archie. So obviously we can guess whom uh, they she picked. Dr. Alicia, I'm going to pick on you first. Obviously young adults are headed off to college. Will this be a great opportunity for parents to talk to them about tidying up and the impact they can have in their future relationships? Well, obviously, anytime we can change always, mm. even mm -hmm. if it's in the 11th hour when they're going to college. Right. Mm -hmm. Yet I do wonder if we want to start before then, because if they've already habituated themselves into a lifestyle, they might, you know, roll their eyes right when they're off to the horizon. They've got other things to worry about, right? <laughs> yeah, and they may just continue <laughs> with their habits, um, especially if there's no intrinsic motivation for them to alter it right when they're packing up their bags and piling them up in the car. I mean, I always want to believe in change. It's just, I think it's probably behooves us as parents to figure out how we can do that earlier in their training. And kids give us plenty of opportunity to teach them how to tide because they're mm -hmm. plenty messy. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <So>. they are. <laughs> <laughs> now, Kristen, in the tidying practice, and we spoke about this a little bit uh, in the beginning, mm -hmm. you always ask a key question, does it spark joy, right, when you're choosing what you're going to keep and what you're not? Now, in this sketch, we heard Archie uh, had pictures that he had taken, displayed on the wall, and then other things organized. That probably sparks mm -hmm. joy in him when he sees somebody come in and look at these pictures, etc. Why is that important? It's important for your house to reflect your personality and even speak before you speak when you walk in. Mm -hmm. I love um, my home because everything in it was like hand-selected by me and there's no noise around it. Everything's very intentional and it supports me. It's just a great reflection of my personality whenever someone comes in, whether they know me or not. They just know that I respect and honor my space, and therefore I respect and honor myself as well. Love that. Now, Dr. Alicia, I'm going to pick on you again. How do we help the Michas of the world out there, especially if messiness has been a long time pattern? Well, she just said it, you know, how do we respect ourselves, mm -hmm. respecting the space of it? So I just think that that's something we can teach our kids. So as parents, whether we have children that are younger or in this case, like Misha, I mean, that are older, being able to relay that message and just kind of speak to the why. So anytime we want to change a behavior, in this case, it's being tidy. We want to bring the reasoning behind it. Being able to just say to them, well, I'm going to lay down the law and it's Saturday morning and everybody's going to clean and you're going to do it my way. And, you know, you wring their ears or whatever it is that you need to do to shape them up into action. That's one way. Um, and everybody's just resentful and stamping their feet and they're annoyed mm -hmm. at you. Whereas if you get in a buy-in where you say, well, we respect our home, we respect our things. And so it's important. We're going to be happier. We're going to spend less time cleaning because we're going to have an orderly space. So if we back it up with the why, just like we're doing right now, then I think our kids are going to be more enjoying the process of it instead of it being like humbug. Ugh. Mm -hmm. Great advice. What's been the experience with your clients with kids? Sure. Well, I work with a lot of busy moms all across Chicago. And really what I tell them is it's really important for them to use this 
tidying time and this tidying event as an exploration of self-discovery and self-awareness and really be the model for their children. So that's actually the best way a parent can get a child to tidy, especially if they're young and very curious, is to just lead by example, be the example for the household, set the standard. And it's so interesting because the KonMari method has so many very like uh, visual aspects to it where you're piling clothes you know, in, in one space or you're moving things around. There's no way a parent could tidy and their child not realize mm-hmm. that that's what they're doing. So yeah. it becomes this whole like family affair. But instead of finger pointing or saying, go pick this up, the kids always like organically come around to doing that after watching their parents model that behavior. And just like Dr. Alicia said, it's never late. So if you've been messy, yes. start tidying you up and your kids will follow. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, let's go into our next sketch. This is called The History of Making Beds. Bye, Mom. I'm heading towards the bus. Not so fast. You didn't make your bed. Again. Is that it? I'm going to be late for the bus. We've talked about this, Peter. You have to get in the habit of making your bed. I will. I'll start tomorrow. That's what you said yesterday. Well, I'll do it. Don't worry. Nope. Get up there and do something about it. Tomorrow. Well, I thought this might happen. So... I've made you a little surprise in the guest room. Yu-Gi-Oh cards? Go and see. Wait, what is this? It's your new bed. It looks like a pile of leaves. It's not just a pile of leaves. It's also got some animal skin in there. Wait, ew. What animal? It also has something called bracken. What's bracken? It's a large palm frond. Because it's a palm, it's extra comfortable. Mom, are you saying I'm gonna have to sleep on this? What? This is how our ancestors slept. The British? The cavemen. I don't want to sleep like a caveman. I know you're used to sleeping on a memory foam mattress and a down comforter, but it's not worth it if you have to go through all this trouble of fixing the bed every day. Won't I be cold sleeping on this? We're going to start eating a caveman diet too. What do you mean caveman diet? I mean, barely cooked meat, raw, red, like we just speared it. Spear? You're overlooking the best part of this bed. You don't even have to make it. That's the best part. I mean, you sort of have to gather the leaves into a pile so that you get the best support. The only downside is the rustle. Rustle? Well, it's made out of old leaves, so it makes quite a bit of noise when you move around on it. It's like sleeping on tortilla chips. You love Mexican food. Okay, Mom. I'll make my bed. Every day. You can have Saturdays off if you really want, but I hope you enjoy making your bed. I will. Making your bed in the morning is a little gift for yourself at night. All right, now hurry off to school. Okay. Bye, Mom. Love you. Well, that takes care of that. Hmm. Now where did I put the rake? Well, that was some interesting uh, reverse psychology. Mm-hmm. For sure. <laughs> 
Uh, so we just heard Alice, the mom, giving her 10-year-old boy a lesson about making his bed. Since he doesn't like to do it, she made him a bed of leaves. She's obviously using light sarcasm and history in this teaching moment. Now, the question to you, doctor, is, is this a healthy tactic? You got to love Alice for her creative <laughs> approach. Mm-hmm. She's trying to make a moment out of it, mm-hmm. you know, and he's going to remember that and think about all the work that it took to, for that mom to figure this out and contraption. So, you know, sure, every time we take a moment, use moments to try to encourage our kids to learn, that's great. It does take a lot of energy. I'm a lot mm-hmm. of planning to do that. And that's one way. There's other ways that you can teach them these skills without necessarily having to develop this whole thing. Whatever you do as a parent, you need to be consistent. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going to take the course. So this was a moment that she was just trying to make it stand out. And as, as a parent, I would say whatever tactic you use, you just have to be consistent in applying it. So um, if you just do that sometimes and then you don't consistently encourage your kids to make the bad, they will forget. They'll get distracted and they'll move on. I don't know that you would need as a parent to take it. The tricky part is us as a parent being able to maintain our cool because we could get frustrated. See, as parents, we've learned all these things we're experts in, if you will, making beds or whatever it might be. And so we get pretty short-tempered, yeah, with our kids when they don't pick it up or they don't do it the way we want them to or they don't do it consistently. And so I think the challenge is for us as parents to have the patient to remember we're teaching. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we forget that we struggled with mastery over that thing. And so we have to take the time to model. You know, if I don't make the bad ever and then I demand it of them, you know, well, what does that teaching them? So that's one mm-hmm. thing. And then two, we have to understand that they've got little hands, that they're forgetful, that they're distracted. They're in playland. Mm-hmm. They're in dreamland. They're in their own world. And yeah. so we're trying to bring adult life to them, you know, structure it for them slowly. And we're pulling them out of their dreamland to do these activities, which mm-hmm. is good because we want them to be habituated into it. But we got to understand that we're it's a, it's a different mindset. We have the adult mindset and they have the child mindset. So it requires patience of us. So that means consistent, consistent yes. patience. You mentioned something really important, just being mindful. Right. That they're little kids Mm -hmm. and that they're not going to do it as perfect as you would love them to do it, but they're going to do it and they're Mm -hmm. going to hopefully learn how to get it straight or or get it in a way that is good and then it's going to get better uh, with time. Now, Kristen, how do you start them like at an early age? How early do you start them? I would say no earlier than five or six for more comprehensive tidying, but really you can adopt the method to any level. So I've worked with anywhere, one from a five-year-old to a teenager with this method, and you can make it fun. You know, that's the most important aspect of it. It's not meant to be a chore. It can be really fun. So you ask questions up front. What do you like about your space? You know, what do you love? Uh, What kind of things do you like to do? Focus on experiences that the home will support. And you find out a lot about your child's interest. So it's really cool to just start there, kind of creating a dream board. And then working through the clutter categories like clothing, books, paper, miscellaneous items. And then sentimental is last because those are sometimes hard, even for children who have collections and things like that, Mm -hmm. that need to be tended to regularly. It can be fun. I think that's like we lead with compassion and we lead with fun. I would say, though, that earlier you can do little things, right, like the pickup game. And so you you definitely, even though they're younger, as toddlers, you can teach them to put, you know, whatever little games that they were Mm -hmm. playing away. So you can still hold them, teach them the responsibility of taking care of their things. They're not going to necessarily do a whole organizational structure and things like that. But from early on, you can definitely teach them to be responsible for their things. Yeah, one of the best tips I've ever heard of for learning respect of the home 
when you're trying to teach your kids to pick things up. Tell them that at the end of the night, anything that's on the floor goes. <laughs> and yes. make it right up <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, straighten up soon after that. So I, I love that one. And that was something that was in my household as well. My dad mm-hmm. was always like, if you put something on the floor, that means you disrespect it. So just something as simple as that. Um, it's independent from the Kumari method, but it was something that I was taught as a child. And that was kind of my one rule I had to follow. And it wasn't, you know, too hard to keep up from there. So that's a good rule. You know what? I, I kind of do that one, but it's uh, now I know I'm going to have to include that respect. <laughs> If you respect it, it's not going to go on the floor because I have a kid that loves Legos and he oh, has Legos all over the yes. place. Oh. Uh, yes, Dr. Yugi, <laughs> you can relate. So I say, okay, guys, pick up your stuff. If you're going to play with it, it's fine. Just make sure you pick it up. If it's on the floor, it's going in the garbage mm-hmm. can. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, no, no. And mom's not going to throw them away. <laughs> Guess what's going to the garbage? It's going to the car. I'm like, if you don't, Um, now I'll say, if you don't respect it enough, mm-hmm. then you you won't take one. Mm-hmm. I'll change my wording. <laughs> my wording was not that nice. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to apply that technique when my daughter comes over and uh-huh. she wants to uh, create the different types of slime that she uh-huh. creates. So, yeah. No taken. Thank you so much, Kristen, for that. Sure. And uh, we're going to go ahead and proceed over to your next sketch. This is called Looking for Blue. Hey, welcome home. I'm in the kitchen. It smells great in here. Should be ready in a few minutes. Here, try this. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. I'm on a deadline tonight, so I won't really be able to help with the dishes, though. It's okay. We can leave them for you tomorrow. So, I know this is going to be a tough talk. Uh-oh. I'd like the house to start being more consistently clean. What? I think the house is pretty clean, usually. I'll stop leaving comic books everywhere. I don't think you realize how much I do around the house, like, every week. Like what? I dust every week. What dust? We don't have dust. No, we don't, because I dust every week. Come on, every week. <sighs> Did you know there's no blue in the Iliad? What, you mean the old Greek story with Achilles? Yeah, by Homer. Homer Simpson? <laughs> <laughs> Different Homer. One who lived a thousand years ago. In the Iliad, he talks about red blood and, and the wine-dark sea, but he never mentions blue. Okay. So, this guy who discovers there's no blue in the Iliad. He starts to look at other ancient cultures, and it turns out they didn't have blue either. There's no blue in the ancient Hebrew Bible or in the Quran. And it didn't occur naturally, so... What about the sky, huh? The sky's blue. So, they did a big study where they asked little kids what color the sky is, and almost all of them said that the sky was white. Only when they were told it was blue did they start to see it. Okay. I think I get what this has to do with dust. I know I'm belaboring a point. I just think you need to know to look for it. Same with the dishes. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. I can do dishes. It's not entirely your fault. I blame the lighting around the sink. Mm-hmm. I think your parents were just a little too nitpicky. I think yours might not have been nitpicky enough. Okay, okay, hold on. I smell a fight happening. I know. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to insult your parents' cleaning style. To each their own. Right, but... If we're going to have our own kids someday, we're going to have to come up with the common language of cleaning. With blue and white and lemon-scented whatever. We've got a little bit of time. Even if I was pregnant, we'd have nine months. All right. Well, happy to know I'll have that buffer of time to learn proper dust and dish awareness. I'm sorry if I offended you with my dishwashing comment. 
I'll get a light for above the sink. It's hard to spot stuff because of the bad lighting there. All right by me. Also, I'll clean a few of those pans while you're cooking. All right, but I'm checking for blue when you're done. <laughs> okay, wow. That was uh, interesting. Very interesting, for sure. Uh, we heard newlyweds, uh, Kristen and Matt, get into an argument about cleaning and probably tidying up. It gets somewhat ugly when they get family into the mix, and they finally seem to come to agreement, but not really. Uh, Dr. Alicia, how important is it to have the tidy conversation before marriage, or maybe when they're dating, and agree to clear these expectations? You know, the CDC has done some interesting studies, and definitely one of those is chores around the home. And it's mm -hmm. definitely improved back in the day, you know, there was less equitable distribution of household contribution. And so you see more husbands participate, but um, it is definitely something that couples argue a lot about. And they argue a lot about it because of the style of cleaning. Perhaps one person has a particular mm -hmm. way of wanting things to be done. Mm -hmm. Timing. One person just wants things to be done sooner rather than later. And another mm -hmm. just maybe just takes their time and mm -hmm. can wait for laundry to be done, you know, once a month. And the other one's like, uh, no, once a week or something <laughs> like that. So timing can also cross strain. So, you know, that process process and that timing is, is just one of the things that is stressful. So we saw it here and overall, whether it's tidying or whether it's finances, one of the things that helps couples incredibly amazing is what's called accepting influence. So there's a psychologist, mm -hmm. um, Dr. John Gottman, who's done a ton of research where they've done videotapes of couples and they've observed them and codified it and all of this. And really he says that particularly for men, if they're able to accept influence from their spouses, mm -hmm. that that makes a huge difference. And what mm. I mean, accepting influence, you know, we saw it in the skit where he really was, you know, he really took it in at the beginning. Perhaps he was a little sarcastic and playful, but at the end he was like, okay, and he was totally in. That's great. Yeah. But what we're talking about is even just very subtle little things like, huh, like just acknowledge the position that another person has. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's so bad that oftentimes in couples, they just completely disregard each other. Yeah. So you've got one spouse that when the going gets tough and they're just really upset that all these chores or things need to get done, they just start attacking, you know, and the other person ignores them, walks away, is like, oh, forget it, I'm over it, and they shut down. And instead of stopping, the cycle happens again, you know, it's just augmented even greater, you know, extent because the anxiety just is there and mm -hmm. it's formulating and, you know, so then there's like another explosive attack. Well, the reason why the person keeps bringing it up is because they're being invalidated. They're not yeah. being recognized. And so oftentimes if you just recognize them, even if the situation isn't fixed and it keeps going because we tend to be so habituated into who mm -hmm. we are, just being acknowledged by itself just kind of lessens that tension. And so what we're saying is that the research says that that acknowledgement doesn't even have to be a great, huge, 360 degree forgiveness kind of a thing. I mean, all we're saying is say, huh, or look, huh, you know, even a nonverbal where you're just like, looking at them in the eye and recognizing them. Very validating, subtle yeah. validation. Mm -hmm. And particularly when men do that, it's shown to be incredibly impactful for the relationship. So there you go. Men, not picking on you because it's tidying and I know women <laughs> tend to be the ones mm. that are, no, not overall. I know a yeah. lot of men are very tidy. <laughs> but just picking on you when your wife, you know, lays down the law of orderliness, all you have to Listen do up. is accept influence. <laughs> Just do one tiny thing, man, and your life will be much better. 
Well, thanks for that feedback, Dr. <laughs> I see Omar over there like, mm-hmm, uh-uh. I am tidy, okay? Am I tidy? Yeah. Oh, I'm learning to become tidier. There you go. There you go. See? I'm on the good route, though. Right. I'm on the good route. All right. Good, good, good. Now, Kristen, how can couples learn more about adapting what, just what uh, Dr. Alisa was saying, accepting that influence and adapting tidy practices without feeling offended? And have you seen an impact in the couples that you've worked with? Yes. So the couples that I've worked with are collectively coming together to create an extension of the home that they honor. So they become that extension. But often they may come to the table with different mindsets in terms of what honor means to them. So it's really important, again, to bring this back to their individual visions and their individual journeys uh, and then kind of come together in the end once they've all been through the experience of tidying their own things and then compromise, you know, happened then. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's sometimes it's organic. Sometimes I'm working with one or the other first and then the other one comes along later. And, and sometimes they start at the same place in the beginning. But it's a powerful tool because especially for couples that are moving in together for the first time because they're putting a certain other phases of their life to rest Mm -hmm. in order to make room physically and mentally and emotionally for a new chapter in their lives. Mm -hmm. So I really love when when couples come together in the form of tidying, open up their space to support all of the different areas that they want to focus on, other experiences, finances, as we mentioned, health, all the really important aspects of life. Like uh, we get so caught up in this chore or something that most call a chore. But really, uh, once your home is set in place, you now have the time, the energy to focus on so much more. Going into somebody's home is very intimate. I mean, I think think about counseling and how people are opening their emotional life and just kind of pouring it out. And usually when they do that, it's because there's a critical moment where you really need Mm -hmm. help. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking the same concept, but going to your home, I would wonder if there's some defensiveness or something like what it takes for someone to perhaps, you know, that maybe one partner might be like, yes, please, I need help. But another might be like, "Uh, who's coming to my house to help me do what? (laughs) I could just kind of see that play out because we see Mm -hmm. played out in a similar context in the counseling Mm -hmm. arena. So I'm curious about how you navigate that one. Well, one, do you see that? And two, how you navigate perhaps some defensiveness around or just some resistance, if you will, Mm -hmm. of someone coming in and helping. So, yes, sometimes it's not an immediate transition where both are on the same page with whatever's going on. Um, I spend three to five hours at a time in someone's home, and sometimes this process can take up to 30 hours. So over that experiences, both sides and roles shift and change and ebb and flow. Uh, But whoever hires me is like, my client and that's we focus on their items in the home of course there's a gray area there like mm-hmm. they might have a spoon that everyone st- shares you know or something like that but really whatever they feel that they take ownership of we focus on and that naturally starts to establish boundaries in the home that may have been a little blurred through the rush of some major life transition like moving together quickly or having you know an onslaught of clutter from a parent who's passed away or something like that. So it can get quite emotional. But yeah, I love using using tidying as the vehicle to kind of just start these discussions. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we both have ner- a little nervous anticipation at the beginning because we're both jumping into something new. I'm, I'm knocking on the door and walking into someone's <laughs> space that I've never been to before. So I, I totally understand. But it usually once we get rolling, you know, everyone kind of falls in line and we work through those things pretty quickly. There you have it. Hopefully these tips will help you 
tidy up. It's been a great conversation. I think it's a win-win for all. Let's tidy. Let's tidy up. Let's Yay. tidy up. Thank you all for joining us, uh, Kristen. Where can we find more information about you and for the love of tidy? Sure. So for the love of tidy, you can find us on fortheloveoftidy.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. You can also call one eight three three get tidy as well. And also, I co-host a podcast every Tuesday, and that's sparkjoypodcast.com. So if you're curious for more information about specifically the Kunmari method of tidying up, you can head on over to sparkjoypodcast.com. Great stuff. Uh, what closing tips do you have for today's Keeping It Real segment, Dr. Alicia? Yeah, lots. I just realized that objects have a lot of meaning, and we mm-hmm. have to sometimes depart from them and let go so we can make room for that which gives us joy. And if we can, as parents, just adapt a, a mindset of tidiness from early on, that that will just provide more space, freedom, time, energy to be able to enjoy our kids more and just so they can enjoy their time as well. So sometimes it takes a little bit of effort at the beginning. you got to put more work on it at the beginning, but I think what you reap later is, is definitely mm-hmm. worth the, the benefit. And the resistance that perhaps as a couple or as a parent might feel in terms of trying to employ or taking some time to do this can go back to several different things. Perhaps as a couple, you don't want to, you know, it might be your personality structure. You don't want to take on, you know, to accept change or influence mm-hmm. from someone. And we got to kind of let go and allow change to happen because it's at the end good for us. And so, yeah, looking into these resources is helpful. But if you are finding yourself, I think, individually resisting a lot of change, it could be because of grief. Perhaps, like you said, you don't want to let go of something that is important to you that's important. And also, I would just caution if there is something like OCD or, or there's some spectrum, some things that are just beyond that are very concerning. We always want to encourage individuals to go get help in addition, you know, go get some professional counseling because there is help for these kinds of things. Awesome. Well, that ends this episode of The Struggle is Real. Thank you so much for the great advice, the great tips. You can find more resources at FamilyBridgesUSA.org. And you can also connect via social media with the hashtag The Struggle is Real or simply hashtag TSIR. Thanks for tuning in. We're Veronica Avila. And on this side, Omar Ramos. And I'm Dr. Alicia Laos. Till next time. This was The Struggle is Real by Family Bridges. For more ideas on parenting, get your copy of The Struggle is Real by Drs. Paul Meyer and Alicia Laos on FamilyBridgesUSA.com.